Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. This week, this week, I'm in my happy place. Product management and strategy. I mean, ah, like manna from heaven, my favorite thing to talk about, the strategic and business role of product management. Joining us today for on our panel, my co-founder and product management pioneer, Steve Johnson. <laughs> Regular my title, product management pioneer. I, again, I know I'm not supposed to call you the other, the leg, the, what was the word I'm not supposed to use? It made you seem old. Legend. Legend, yes. Legend was not, it was pioneer. We've got our regular panelist and often first-time answer person, first-time answering on Mondays, Jason Vincelet. And we've got a new panelist today, Joy McCaffrey. Welcome to the topic of the week. It's so glad to have you. Thank you. With that said, we're going to get right to our first conversation, our first topic from Monday and, and the answers we had there. The question we asked on Monday, what should product management's role be in defining strategy? or what should be product management's role in defining strategy. And Jason, you know- Didn't let you down, buddy. He didn't let me down. I actually, Monday morning I was in the queue and I saw your profile, Anita's profile and somebody else in the community. I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be a race to see who gets the answer. <laughs> and it was Jason who came in first. He, he's got that good, and, and he, 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 did, he did great. It was, it was more of a thesis for you, longer than normally. He said, well, there are different strategies to execute on the vision across the organization. Product management's role is to ensure that the product can satisfy or lead on all of those strategies. Example, finance may want a strategy to pull more revenue in from the products or enhance billing process. Product management needs to ensure that the products and market can help accomplish that. Can accomplish that. When talking about growth strategy through an M&A, product needs to be involved to vet the feasibility and market sense about adding solutions to a product suite. Could be a great acquisition financially, but it will be it will position the company for organic growth. In summary, the role as an advisor and in most situations in a contributor and others. I love that answer, Jason. I thought it was very well uh, put together. Talk to me some more about your your head when it comes to strategy. Uh, it's just really uh, kind of my experience of being pulled in um, from my executive teams when they've made some of these decisions and kind of what we're where we where product management is in my current organization. I mean, we are a very, very product led organization, even though we need, do need some help with product management processes more on the operational side. Um, but product management kind of leads the, the entire organization um, with regards to uh, being pulled in for all types of strategy. I mean, there's very little that gets done without um, taking in product managers um, advice and that's where it kind of came into the finance organ the finance part here um, but certainly with M&A as well that's been kind of critical to work with your product management organization um, and I've had you know I've had uh, you know acquisition offers 
sit in front of me that they were like, well, please look at this. It looks really good on paper. Everything looks good, but we're not sure about the products. Can you review what the product is and see if it makes sense uh, with our overall suite offering, who we are to the market and those kind of things. Uh, and uh, more often than not, I would um, pass on them. And then we just wouldn't go through with the acquisition because if you don't have buy-in from product management, that, um, that it makes sense to, to move forward from a product standpoint, you're just going to be sunk. And so I think a lot of companies are making handshake agreements financially, um, but not thinking about what is the, the product and um, does that market make sense for the product offering? And then even going further, it doesn't make sense for the development teams. Is there going to be, um, you know, is there, is, is there a DNA match for even the code base, how to go to code, what, you know, the user design principles and those kind of things. There's a lot of things that can, that can slow down an acquisition um, post acquisition in order to get incorporated into the company. Uh, and so all of those things need to be alerted because the executives are looking at it almost purely from a financial incentive. And if that looks really good, then they're just like, go forward. But the execution on it is going to be really critical. Uh, and it has to be something where you can uh, obtain organic growth as a result of the inorganic uh, M&A. I and mean, that can be a whole series uh, on just how products can get involved with M&A. No, I actually, I think that should be a topic we, we go into at some point. And as somebody who has done the create the vision for how these products fit together before acquisitions and after acquisitions, meaning we did it proactively and say, ooh, this does make sense because it fits in the portfolio, that worked great. When I had to rationalize a, an acquisition that corporate development and finance made <laughs> without really having it's a lot Very harder true. to make those pieces fit together. So, and, but yeah. it also brings the point that a lot of companies' strategy is owned by finance just purely because it's part of this planning process where they're trying to put budgets in place. And as, as you know, while Steve may have, uh, you know, his uh, problem may be with sales, I think my problem tends to be more with finance, but that's also, I was at a GE company. Uh, Joe, I'd love to get your take on that, right? Uh, when you have dealt with strategy, have you felt it's finance versus uh, product or, or who, who runs it when you've gone through that type of stuff? Well, First of all, when I saw the topic of the week, I was a little confused because my first response is, well, obviously product managers are determining the strategy for their product. I wasn't really thinking more from a business or mergers and acquisitions uh, and M&A perspective. I mean, I write very broad questions. <laughs> Jason knows sometimes you can ask for clarification. Okay. Okay. Because... You know, it's it's always been my understanding, and um, I'll uh, shout out to Steve. Since I received pragmatic marketing training, I mean, we're many, 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 many. I didn't say that. You did. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the product manager is the general manager. They're responsible for the product. They're accountable. They they determine the direction and the strategy of of um, the product. Now that is my hope as a product manager. I have worked at many, many different companies, startups, large and small, and that's not always the case. Um, I would say that, I would say I've had more issues with sales and strategy versus finance. Um, the loudest complainer in sales or the person, the sales rep with the most seniority or the sales rep working with the largest customer Yep. Um, oftentimes, unfortunately, does determine strategy, uh, what products uh, 
will be implemented, what products will be launched. Um, I have run into that many times. And sales finance will listen to sales because they it's the numbers. They were bringing in the revenue. They're yeah. committing to revenue. And, and okay. you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, actually on, on the product camp, Charlotte call, we talked about it last night. I had a sales exec, Boeing was our largest client. And he said, if Boeing asked us to sell them forks and we were not a, a fork company or a, <laughs> a, we were a B2B engineering information company, but he said if Boeing wanted sold us, they, they wanted to buy forks from us, we'd find a way to sell them forks. And unfortunately in a sales driven uh, place that does happen. Uh, have you found that it, there's a difference in big versus small versus startup? Yeah, so with startup, what I found is the founders um, in terms of strategy, this is their baby, this is yeah. their idea they launched it, they bootstrapped it, or they raised money, and this is what they want, and they know it better than a product manager. So as a product manager, what I've been able to do is kind of help them along with their strategy to validate it, to refine it, and, and define the strategy. Um, in large companies, sales reps, again, revenue, I mean, they're king. So there's kind of what I think is a like a sweet spot in the smaller to medium sized companies where they're more flexible, they're more open to ideas, um, and they're more open to um, product management being in, in strategy. That's what I found. No, I, I I completely agree. And actually, what I love is when it's that you know medium small medium sized company who realizes they need product management. They're all of a sudden, they're not being able to scale. They want to yeah. the way they want to when they're having things fall in. Yeah, I'm working with a company like that. Steve, I'm going to come to you in a second. I wanted to get to John Harmer's answer second. Uh, he said, I agree with Jason product being the voice of the customer, the voice of the market, as well as an expert on the competitive space should have a strong role in the shaping the strategy for the company. Ideally, this occurs because the product management leader is part of the leadership team of the company, and that team is involved in creating, changing the overall company strategy. You once wrote a beautiful ebook called The Strategic Role of Product Management. I'd love to see, I mean, John hit some of those key topics, the voice of the market, right, and the role of product having in strategy. I'd love to get your take on this question and John's answer. Well, I'm not sure I know what answer I was going to give to John's answer. What, what, <laughs> what, what I've seen. Well, yeah. So I, I wrote the ebook on strategic role of product management probably 15 years ago, and even then, I was seeing this shift of product management moving from a strategic role to a technical role, and. Yet way back in, I think it was 1988, when Jeff Moore wrote Crossing the Chasm, he described product manager as the equivalent of a brand manager, a business leader at the product level. And that's kind of the way I came up. I mean, that's certainly what we talked about uh, in my early days at, at uh, Pragmatic Marketing. Um, and yet, you know, I, you've probably, I've probably ranted on this before. You know, it seems to me that agile adoption has uh, moved product managers from a strategic role to a secretarial role. They're reading aloud to developers from JIRA. And uh, I was talking to somebody just the other day and he said, you know, our product managers uh, have to make all these strategic decisions, but, and they're, and they're too busy 
to go uh, to uh, do win loss analysis or, or customer discovery. And I'm like, how in the world are you making any decisions if you have no firsthand experience with the market? And he said, yeah, that that might be a problem. And I'm like, yeah, that might be a problem. And so his perception was that he wanted product management defining strategy, but then he was crippling them in their ability to actually learn anything that would inform strategy. So I've always thought of product management's role as a strategic business oriented role. Uh, and now uh, another little rant is uh, I'm, I'm seeing product marketing fill the void now that agile has pulled development into what is effectively a business analyst role. I, I completely agree, Steve. We've talked about this before. It's interesting because Glenn uh, Pride had answered, when I first started out, I thought it was product manager's job to build a product strategy, but then the cheese moved. And then mm -hmm. I'm still looking for the cheese. Uh, so it, it sort of you know goes along with what you're talking about with how there's been this shift of what, where the responsibility is for product. Steve, you and I talked about this yesterday, right? The... Which may not be meaning that I remember what we talked about. <laughs> I know I was going to bring it up, but okay. the, you know, the debate of, and maybe this should have been the question and not the, the poll and we didn't, and I'll have to go back and think about just putting it out there as a poll, you know, what, what, which percentage of the population believes that product management is a business and strategy role versus that, which I think is the technical uh, role. And, you know, it seems like the dot-com and Silicon Valley view tends to be in that black box, that mm -hmm. agile, the product owner wanting them to do that type of stuff mm -hmm. and moving them away from. And, you know, I, I have had feuds on Twitter with well-known product management advocates who are saying product management's not a business role, right? Who says right. Steve Jobs wasn't the product manager of the iPhone, but... Yes, he was. He was one who determined what the problems were they were going to solve. He was one who built the requirements for it and created acceptance criteria, right? He was the final person who did that. And yes, Apple brought a little more design into product, but just because you may bring some design into product does not mean they still don't, shouldn't have that business aspect mm -hmm. to it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm of the belief that there's more people out, more product management people out there who come from the school of the strategic role of product management and pragmatic marketing. And they're just not the ones who are pundits talking about it because most of the pundits somehow we've glorified the Silicon Valley VC backed.com internet company product management people, not the people who deliver billion dollar businesses, product management people. Indeed. So, my rant, sorry. Right. We would, I wanted to a lot of the stuff that you're talking about are people who are, you know, one product companies. Yeah. You know, we built this one product and, you know, we did our growth hacking to artificially inflate our numbers. And then we bailed right before everybody figured out that our, our, you know, user count was really soft. Uh, and now let, and now I know how to be a product manager. Uh, but it, I remember I, I, I uh, heard a speech by Bill Campbell, who was the uh, dollar coach of uh, into it, into it. Yeah. And he, he said, you know, one of the first hires you should make before you hire a sales guy is a product manager um, to help in, in his context, it was to help scale, uh, to help nail it before you scale it. Yeah. And yet, you know, one of the companies I'm working with right now, they've hired four or five salespeople 
and they don't know what it is yet. You know, they don't have positioning. They don't have packaging. They don't have, uh, uh, they haven't even locked down pricing. And they've just been sending salespeople out in the world saying, we've got this thing. Do you want it? That's a little tail wagging the dog, isn't it? It certainly is. Uh, you know, in strategy, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Sun Tzu and the whole strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat, right? True. True. And, and you see that happening. Anita chimed in and ow, she was fourth. See, normally Jason is, is, is challenging you for that first answer. It took her to the fourth, but she did her yes and, which is great. Yes and, I'll put my theory hat on to add a little, little different flavor. When I teach strategy to higher ed undergrads and MBA students, there are two types of strategy, corporate level and business level. The business level typically drives the product strategy. That said, I've seen it work differently from one organization to the next, from one product owning strategy to a product having uh, no say in strategy. I've seen the best results when the leader of product is part of the strategy leadership team, like Jason mentioned, then uh, the product team has a voice in the conversation. Uh, I had responded, I'd, I've got a friend who had done a lot of work with Warburg Pincus, really, really big private equity company. And I was talking about market and product strategy and we got into it. He's like, you know what? Warburg Pincus thinks they do strategy, but what they really do is that corporate level shifting resources and finance allocation and all these other things that really aren't about the market and the product. And they don't have that expertise in understanding markets and products. Contrast that Steve with uh, CC and Jim at Parker Gale, who we had the conversation with a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're at smaller companies, sort of back to Joey's point earlier. And at the smaller companies, product management, when, when done well and respected, is the strategy team. Mm -hmm. There isn't a chief strategy officer. There's a chief product officer, more likely than not. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'd love to see, Joey, is that what you've seen when you've been at startups? Have you seen the transition from the founder handing it off to a product leader or the founder becoming the product leader and bringing in a CEO? Well, it depends. I worked at one startup where the CEO added um, chief product architect to her title. Were they a more technical person? No. Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some poor decisions were made, um, but it was it was her way or the highway. Unfortunately, she was a very very smart person. Um, you know, and, and, and had taken the company to a certain level. Um, I worked with, well, I uh, approached a startup that has become very successful, um, but it was very early stages. And uh, he was actually, the founder was speaking at a Chicago Product Management Association meeting. And um, he didn't have any product managers and we were just grilling him about his product and his idea and differentiator and challenges and pricing ideas. And he was like, oh my God, I wish I had spoken to you, all of you earlier. And, um, you know, it just kind of struck home. I mean, startups, if they're not started up by a former product manager who knows this, yeah. Um, they do need product managers. And, and he said, just like, you know, Steve said he had sales reps and he had a PR person that he hired <laughs> because he thought that would be great marketing. Um, yeah, that trade shows, things. you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's what amateurs do when they do marketing. Yeah. How did he end up at a product management forum? Uh, I think the leader reached out to him because he was excited 
about uh, the leader of the product management meeting. Um, it's Spot Hero. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with them. Yeah. They, um, yeah, they're doing very well. He has tons of product managers now. Yeah. Um, but he also said something because I spoke to him afterwards and he said, I can't afford a product manager at this time. Um, it worked out for him, but for some startups, I wonder if they, you know, can't, cannot, not afford a product manager. <laughs> right. Bring in the double negative joy. Oh, you're going to fit right in here. And, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's an interesting thing because, you said they, I just had a conversation with the president of a company in Atlanta area where I'm working with, where I'm like, you can't afford to not invest in product management, mm -hmm. right? Because all of a sudden who's coordinating what's going on across, you know, McKinsey called product management, the glue, right? I call it a lever point or a fulcrum because our job is not to do, make decisions for all these other functions. It's to give them the context they need to build and design a better product and to prioritize the right features or initiatives and to better market and sell those things. And to me, that's the strategic side, right? It needs to all come into the strategy of it. Mm -hmm. Jason, you've been sitting there patiently since I first engaged you while Joy, Steve, and I have been going off on these great conversations. I'd love to get your take on, you know, we, we've pivoted a little away, but we're, ha, ha, any new thoughts? I was just wrestling with my dogs um, the whole time, <laughs> back and forth. And I, it's... um. Keeping so them away I'm not, from the Amazon driver. Yeah, when I'm not hurting cats, I'm hurting my dogs. So um, <laughs> it's uh, and that, that's hurting, not hurting. Yes, I, I get. So you. Make sure that Peta understands that. Um, yeah, I don't really have any new thoughts uh, specifically. I mean, I haven't. I don't have any experience with. Huh, my experience in startup is as a developer, turned project manager, turned QA guy, and there was no product management there <laughs> so yeah. um but it was it was at a um it was a dod startup so i mean there could be a whole like discussion about where product management fits with inside of kind of the department of defense and things like that because they tend to just have project managers and developers and the and qa they don't really have product management there yeah. uh, or they at least they have the things are being done sort of but since they're not looking for revenue really they're just kind of taking orders mm -hmm. um but anyway the, i've only had a, a little bit of uh startup experience in that regard and it was like i said it was mainly in that role um, everything else has been more kind of enterprise b2b global products lots of product managers tons of products um and, and the challenges that go with just kind of like operating a business at scale already yeah um and so the strategy is again it's it's it there's a product strategy there but it's already it's very humming already you know your markets you're already in your markets i mean what we're discussing now i just had a conversation with my team this morning is if we should start going after um you know universities uh you know because some market segments are already taken from my com competitors mm -hmm. and um but you have to keep testing that market yeah and you can't test that market unless you attempt at that market and so in there like listen I'm not sure if we can win over there because our competitors are there, but I happen to know my competitors are also focusing on other markets. So they might be get leaving a, a void of focus uh, in inside of this market. So maybe we can go after universities now, but let's test that. And then we can, you know, might be able to develop a strategy around that. And I just have experience in that. So I think that's where product managers can do is bring maybe a little bit of the courage. And I know it's not really data driven, but 
if you're thinking of systems and, and you understand your competitive landscape and the product managers should understand the competitive landscape if they're strategic, mm -hmm. then they also should understand what their competitors are doing and what those crazy product managers are going after in those market segments. So it's not only understanding your strategy, but also understanding what the strategy of your key competitors are and how you can respond to that. And that's part of that kind of just overall environmental SWOT analysis. No, I, I completely agree. It's a, a couple of things in what you said really resonated with me. One of them is, you know, I used to play tennis a lot, you know, growing up, I was on the tennis team my freshman year in college. When I was playing a good tennis player, I played great. I could, I knew where the ball, where the, he intended or she intended the ball to go and I was always there. I always struggled playing with bad tennis players because I couldn't anticipate them. And I've had that happen in, in competitive strategy where it's like, I know a competitor and I'm seeing them do something. I'm like, but this doesn't make sense. Why are they doing this? And I, but I was logically thinking maybe I should have taken more advantage of that. I was junior at the time, but you need to, you do need to do that. Have you guys gotten any deals in the university space? We have a universe. I mean, university now. Um, was that a so, reason? I, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, it's a, and, it's a call. It's and, a, I'm sorry. No, you go. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's just a small college essentially. Um, but, um, but I sold to the university space before and I just know how they kind of work and there's ways of creating pricing schedules or I guess, um, pricing deals for multiple universities in a university system, mm -hmm. which you can really be beneficial. And that's kind of how the state and local government works. Um, and so it's just a little bit understanding again, how the business of that market works and to see that if you can play in there from a pricing, from contracting, from a scale strategy, again, that doesn't happen without products and without products understanding the competition. Um, yeah. and, no, and so absolutely. it's not just about understanding your products. Great. We have features. Who doesn't have features, right? Well, yeah. I think when it comes to the strategy, you have to understand more about what's going on, not only within your organization, but outside your organization for sure. Completely. Where I was going with the, the, that question, Drucker, uh, and you know, Steve, I have to at least have, I think it's a minimum of three Drucker references. I believe that's right. Three. So Do you need a number and it goes up first Drucker. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ansoff or Roger Martin will now fit into that at least three of one of those three. So we, we're, we're starting with that. Actually, I think I've mentioned Roger Martin earlier, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he says, you know, one of the places to look for innovation is unexpected, unexpected success. So if you're seeing customers come in from a market you tend to not play in, so you have one, you've seen that, but you also have some experience. It, it, to strategically, I'm giving you the thumbs up on that, Jason. I think you should go for it. Yeah, we just had a marketing event too. And the, my sales was like, suddenly all these universities are very interested in talking to us, but we don't play in the university space. I'm like, they're coming to us. Why would we not talk to them? <laughs> maybe the they, maybe it's the... because our competitors are leaving something to be desired and we solve that problem and our market understands that. So let's talk to them. And let me applaud both, both parts of that conversation. The sales guy said, wait a minute, I've been instructed to go to this market, not university. And instead of them coming back and saying, hey, Jason, good news. I made a thousand commitments to 1400 universities. It doesn't look that hard to me. They're saying, hey, you know, hey, Jason, I'm seeing a lot of universities here. Maybe we should, you know, target them and package and price for them. 
So everybody's oh, doing. I'm the one that's there. making that recommendation. They are just telling me that what what came about the yeah, gotcha. but yeah. Gotcha. Well, I awesome. find most strategy decisions are actually tactical ones. I talk to a guy in a bar is a statistically relevant sample for yeah. a lot of salespeople. Well, that was the other thing you talked about was based on data. And for me, it needs to be grounded in data. But I used to always say some people made decisions with WAGs, a wild ass guess. I used SWAGs, a scientific wild ass guess. That means I had some data, but I put the data together with some assumptions to get to where it needed to go. But at a minimum, you have to have some data and some grounding. Uh, let's get to our poll. And in the lifetime of topic of the week, this may be the least controversial poll we've ever had. <laughs> no. You know, oh, you voted all the way to the right instead of almost all the way to the right. I, I guess this is also a self-fulfilling prophecy when you when you have a group of people who come from the school of Steve Johnson, strategic role of product management and ask them how involved should product management be in their company's strategic plan, you're gonna get that answer, right, Steve? Indeed, indeed. Did you vote, Steve? I, I mean, you can see I'm almost all the way to the right. I thought I was all the way to the right. I, I'm a little disappointed, but maybe I, they can't I, put that picture like outside the margin. I'm pretty sure I voted the same place. Jason. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was like on a peak there, just to the left of you. Okay, Joy, I, did you vote in the in the in the poll? No, because I just you know made the assumption that obviously. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy! <laughs> I, I I gotta pick my poll question stuff up. Jo, the, the new girl is just <laughs> roasting me. You know, one of our regular commenters who we have not had on the call yet, uh, Drew Barnett, had said. Driving in it, driving it, participating, listening, product should be heavily involved in a company strategy, which I, of course, completely agreed with. Uh, Greg Fenton, who we've missed, you know, he hasn't been on recently, uh, he agreed. The growth of a company to be product-led needs product to be involved with the strategy. And I think that's something that goes with product-led. You know, a conversation I've had with a lot of people lately on what, what is product-led. We did that as a call last year. But you know, Jason, as I think said it earlier, product led really means product is doing strategy. Uh, I had a great conversation with Melissa Perry uh, a couple summers ago, and in that, in the part of it was like the chief product officer role is a strategy role. And if, if you look at a lot of high growth companies, they don't have a chief strategy officer, they have a chief product officer, and the product officer who knows the market is the person who should be doing it. So obviously, we, we do it there. I, I'm not going to try to extend a conversation on this further than that because. Normally, at least we have somebody coming in as a contrarian and we don't have any contrarians this week. What I did do was I decided to make one of our questions. And by the way, Grant, before you go, I think that you could take any um, like function, any function that has a leadership component and have that same question. <laughs> like you can, you can go to you can go to finance or even sales and be like, if we're a sales leadership, do you, you know, how far should you be in the strategy? And all the salespeople that are leaders are going to say ping high, you know, when actually really they should be, you know, it doesn't matter. You're going to sell what we, we tell you to sell. And so I think it might just be a nature of, like you said, just kind of us being um, who we are in, in our journey, our career journey. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But I wanted to take the pivot a little from it. So we talked about how much should they be involved in strategic planning. I next want to look at how should, how should product management be involved in strategic planning. I've done work with 
a lot of big companies. And I, and when I was at GE myself, you had your sort of every spring was the three-year planning. Some people call it their LARP, long-range planning, right? And all of it, you know, when done well, there's templated-based stuff, but it's still each individual component, you know, giving their ideas. When done poorly, each product manager has a different set of slides with different stories and different things. How should product management be involved in strategic planning? Should they be driving it and, and running it? Should they be a reactive person while it's being run by finance or somebody else? Uh, how should they be doing that? I'd love to get, Jason, you're in the thick of it now with this new move to university. Do you guys have a long range planning that you go through? Um, that's a very good question. I, I don't think, I, well, I'm not involved in that. If it's, if there's any kind of planning, it's probably at the board level. Um, you know, we're a public company, so it's probably at the board level and that strategic planning could be, I really have no idea what they're talking about there, but it's not product level. Um, you're, you're not even reporting out on the status of your product and your plan for what your new initiative is for growth and where it's going to come from. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just, we have that, we've had that for a couple of years that wasn't really necessarily from product, I don't think, and it was before I came in the organization. So we're still kind of executing on that strategy for as far as markets, and that's more geographical versus say, um, vertical. Um, and, and so, but you know, from a product strategy, we drive the product strategy about the product manager organization drives a product strategy about where they feel the products need to grow in order to achieve dominance in those markets, um, considering kind of the, the market need and the competitive landscape and the industries that we'd serve. Um, so uh, the, I guess the non-product management members of the executive team really just kind of leave it up to product management's word to say, this is what we need, this is what we need investment, this is what we need to do um, in order to achieve those goals. What I can't tell you is what we use for measurements. You know, we talked about the WAG and the SWAG. Um, I don't, I think what we're lacking is uh, serious measurements to show that versus um, just saying, um, you know, kind of, and just, just kind of more uh, hunches about what we feel the market needs and which is where we got to grow on it. Just more getting that um, data to present to justify the strategies and that we feel are right, you know, just because we've been in the business for a long time, um, but uh, we may be off there. And so that's our next um, evolution is to get more data centric on that market research. Awesome. I, for me, this is a place where I I've been involved in strategic planning, you know, from as a market research all the way up through a, a you know PNL leader, and product was always for us in bigger companies. These are GEs and IHSs, and you know, from 500 million to 100 billion. Product management always had you know in April, May, June, it was like you you know your first version of your strategy, your three-year plan, is due on this date, right? Then we review it and then we review it and it got all rolled up. Now, maybe the stuff that went to Jack Welsh when I was there wasn't my plan, but you know, the product management had a key role in sort of each product team or product group or portfolio had to ha have a, a key strategy for that that would roll up and how does it align with the strategy and that type of stuff. So, and that, that's sort of the stuff I've been used to. Joy, have you been, has product been involved with the strategic planning process? The company that I'm at right now is a very large company. 
um, it's Equifax. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I am so far removed um, from what's called the senior leadership team. Um, they have five or six different layers of product managers. They have so many different product management titles um, and departments, I, I can't keep them straight. Um, Equifax uses uh, business cases mm -hmm. and it is right around that time of year. The business cases take about six months to complete. Um, I have been part of, like I'll have a couple of slides. Yeah. <laughs> um, the slides are one to 200 slides long, uh, yeah. PowerPoint slides for their mm -hmm. business cases. Um, so large companies, I would say uh, no. The smaller the company, you know, at startups and small companies, as a product manager, I report directly to the CEO. So yeah. in that instance, then yes, I have been very involved in so much as a startup owner would let me, because again, it's their baby, it's their yeah. idea, they, they know what they're doing. Um, but even then, able to help with the product roadmap, um, talking to customers, getting voice of the customer, um, you know, understanding the buyer's journey. I mean, I've always been able to uh, implement that at startups, which they don't usually have. Which is key for the strategic planning on my part, because having that knowledge can differentiate them from the people who don't have that knowledge. Right. right. Do you, did you find that at the startups, there was not real delineation between the long range planning and the financial planning for the next year? It seemed like a lot of small companies I've worked with there were, you know, GE had a three-year plan, an 18-month plan, and a one-year budget, mm -hmm. where I've seen a lot of smaller companies where it's like the strategic plan and the one-year budget was mm -hmm. the same, one and the same thing. They, 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 they weren't taking that long-term lens and short-term lens. They just were sort of blending it into a no-term lens. Well, with startups, oftentimes it's, you're kind of surviving deal to deal. Yeah. Customers are paying. Yeah. Um, which is why, unfortunately, some of the startups I've worked at haven't lasted. They didn't survive because, you know, again, sometimes they couldn't make paycheck. Um, so in that sense, I think the larger companies have the leeway and the funds and the finances and the resources to plan three to five years out. Um, and also in the larger companies that I've worked at, all of them, because they're so large, they also have the leeway to waste on products that don't go anywhere that are sales driven or finance driven and smaller companies or startups, you, you just don't have that luxury. I mean, you, you basically have to be lean. You have to make more difficult decisions. Yeah, I see that. Steve, I'd love to get your take on this question. Well, you know, um, right. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing it even. Um, I'm rereading uh, Death by Meeting by Patrick Lencioni. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you haven't read it, I mean, it's just, it's a truly fabulous book. But the, the, the real point that he, he makes a couple of mind-blowing points. And the first point is uh, meetings are why we have businesses. Um, it's like, can you imagine a doctor saying, you know, I would love this job if I didn't have to operate on all these damn people. 
I mean, the reason we have offices is to go to them to meet with other people. And it's ridiculous that we commute for an hour and a half to go to one office and sit in a closed room by ourselves for eight hours and then reverse the process. I think we've uh, learned a lot about that in the past year. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, I do miss meetings. I don't miss commuting, right? Uh, but anyway, he said, the big problem we have with meetings is we're always having the wrong one. You know, we'll have a get together and say, you know, that is this like operational in nature. And somebody will say, you know, it seems like we ought to go into the university market. And everybody goes, oh, that's an interesting idea, Jason. And we go off chasing that little thing for a while with the wrong people in the room and no one is the decision maker. And then, you know, when we do have attempt to have a strategic planning meeting, it's like, well, wait, you know, there's a big issue going on in operations right now. You know, three people have to leave to go deal with it. And so we're never having the meeting we need to have. And, and uh, at least in small to medium companies, I don't know if they do any strategic planning. I think they do operational planning. And yeah. uh, as Joy said, you know, it's like, uh, I think it was Joy, uh, the budget is the plan. You know, you sit down and say, hey, how much money are you going to need next year? I say, I'm going to need $2 million. And they come back later and say, okay, here's a million and a half dollars. Good luck with that. And strategic planning is over. That's not strategic planning. That has nothing to do with what new products we're going to offer or what new markets we're going to serve. And I don't know how many companies are actually having that conversation anymore. It seems like they're having the conversation with the wrong people in the wrong meetings. And Lincioni says what we should be doing is having a two or three day offsite once a year strictly devoted to where do we want to be three years from now. And I don't know if how many, I don't know if many companies are actually having that meeting. I, I, I don't know a lot of who are doing it that way. Uh, and better yet, add some scenario planning to that, right? Think about, you know, what if there was a pandemic? What if there was a pandemic? What if it was difficult to travel? Yeah. Would that impact? Well, yeah, and I would say also that it helps to have um, probably a, possibly a bipartisan kind of um, what sales man and management, products? no management group <laughs> to a bipartisan management group to kind of help organize that planning session mm -hmm. versus um, just internally because they can help you know ring it back in without it getting political. Yeah. I've been involved in some of those um, events, and we are we hired a firm uh out of um beverly hills to to help us with that process and it was great because they didn't they didn't belong to a department yeah. and they had no history with the company so they were able to just say okay and just take all the feedback and then kind of organize it put it back out there and then make sure that we get buy-in and those kind of things and and i think that's very helpful too uh, to independent facilitation questions. is so important Absolutely. because somebody can can sort of break those ties and i actually do that with some of my clients I think the key thing here, back to this question though, is if we're doing that offsite or we're having this bipartisan group, product management should be at that table, right? Mm -hmm. Product management, if we're the voice of the market, if we're helping determine, growth comes from selling products into markets, right? If you're having a strategic plan that's talking about our growth ambitions, unless we're purely acquisition oriented and we're not caring about the how the stuff on the back end of the acquisition, the integration, we're just caring about buying assets that we can, you know, strip costs out of, then product has to be in that, at that table, I think. 
I completely agree. And the conversation I had just last week uh, with a really large company, um, I had them all fill out a product canvas, just a, a one page product version of a business model. And everybody was like, wow, this is fabulous. We ought to have one of these for all of our products. And I'm like, yes, you really, really should. Uh, and, and guess who can teach you how to do that? Indeed. indeed. <laughs> and, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, how many executive teams are making product decisions without knowing the things that we put in our product canvas. Yeah. Um, or, um, and, and, and uh, even if, you know, product isn't leading that strategic planning, what I, I think I would argue they should be with a facilitator. Uh, but even if not, having somebody there saying, well, let me tell you about a conversation I had with the market mm -hmm. instead of let me tell you what a sales guy told me the other day. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, I've had, I've had several instances where maybe for some reason or another, maybe it just went in a different direction, but like there was a meeting that was had to do with strategy and I wasn't in it. And I was the head of uh, product management reporting to the CEO. And I was sitting there just outside of the room. They had to, um, after they came out, they were like, we really should have had you in this meeting. And then they have to have the entire meeting all over again. again. You know, so many times I'm like, well, just bring me in the first time. Right. But that was Lencioni's point is that when we do try to have these meetings, We've got the wrong people in the meeting. I mean, if yeah. you're, you know, if you're having a meeting about uh, new markets to serve and you don't have anybody from marketing or sales in there, uh, maybe you're in the wrong meeting. And uh, uh, and that I think that happens. Uh, uh, I think that happens very often. So, and I'm trying to remember where I read this. You know, in most companies, finance owns the planning process, uh, and they're doing it based on. Here's what we've done the past three years, rear view, and just trying to extend from a rear view mirror look at what we've done to where we're going to go. Mm -hmm. And so it's sales and finance, sort of like looking at their top line numbers and some of the costs and trying to project based on where we've been, where are we going to go? And none of it takes into consideration new growth curves, right? New markets, new products. Uh, no, they just tack up 20% you know, year over year on all of those numbers. <laughs> And then GE, GE said, okay, you have to have 12% growth in your operating income. Your job and your plan is to figure out how you're going to get to that. I mean, you know, uh, as much as I, I say nice things about GE, that was a, not a nice experience, but product management, we, you know, we need to make it not just a finance and sales planning review, right? It has to become something where we start talking about strategy, strategic things mm -hmm. and start thinking about those types of things. Yeah. And also, you know, finance will, if you don't talk about top line revenue and you're just talking about EBITDA or EBIT, then finance will take everything from a cost perspective. Oh yeah. And, and, and the market has proven they're going to pay, I think it was four or five times more for a dollar of operating income that came from revenue growth than a dollar of income that came from revenue cost or cost cutting. Right. So the market pays more for that growth, but to your point, the financial engineers were like, it's, oh, I can save this here and this here. And that just, it makes the operating even better, but it doesn't. But well, you're not gr growing necessarily. The, you're not growing. The yeah. top line. You We're hitting some of my sore spots. I'm not going to go off into a, <laughs> down, down that rabbit hole. Uh, so 
let's assume product management is part of strategic planning, but the question really is how frequently should product management review and update their strategy, right? Many companies have this annual thing where Joy puts a couple of slides in the deck. I do my five slides, Steve does his 10 slides. They all look different, or maybe somebody's more organized and annual planning happens and they give you a template, they give you, okay, here's your canvas, here's your, strategy, right? We're, we're doing some stuff with product lifecycle management right now, Steve and I, and I could see that being some of the stuff we're, we're putting into that course as being something you could put as, you know, on as part of updating the strategy. How frequently should product management review and update their strategy? Jason. Well, I think, you know, I think at least quarterly, you should be having a review about how you're doing because uh, depending on how your company's cadence, what your company's cadence is, um, we tend to operate quarterly here, uh, again, publicly traded companies. So we go in these cycles. Um, so I think then that that's the point where you should be at least reviewing your strategy. And then of course, having a more in-depth look on an annual basis. I, boy, you're going to make this a short segment. Uh, I mean, I, Mike drop, I'm out. <laughs> I've, I, th I've written that almost exactly the same thing. You know, Drucker or says Planning is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process of testing your assumptions and hypotheses and learning about the market and making adjustments continually. I had to see yeah. I, I had to get that second. I know, I know. So. Or anytime one of your metrics changes trajectory. Yep. You know, we were looking at, you know, 2% month over month growth and suddenly it became 10%. Why is that? Or negative 5%. Yep. What the hell is going on? Time to check back in. That would be Drucker's, you know, unexpected success or failure, right? He's like, I, I had a, and I've said this on other ones. So I had a sales leader uh, who I was with at IHS, but another company he said, if my salespeople come in, they have to come in with plus or minus 5% of their quota, right? Because I don't want, I want them, don't want them sandbagging in, you know, they need to be able to be realistic and honest with what's coming in and, not, and, and being able to do it. If you have it to that point, you can see that unexpected growth or, or, or shrinking more than it's not just somebody sandbagging, right? <laughs> or trying to hit a number for, for an accelerator with that. Joy, I'd love to get your, your take on this. Yeah, I was going to say as needed. I mean, I wouldn't put like a time frame on it. Um, at large companies, it is annual because it is based on your annual budget. Yeah. But really, it should be to Steve's point, anytime there's a change in a metric, or if there's, you know, from VOCs or win loss, if you're hearing something and finding out something else entirely, then you should be able to pivot, you know, be flexible and agile and move with it. Um, that's when you re review, you know, your strategy. Well, wait, wait, you are using agile and the actual definition of agile and agility, right? Not as in a development methodology, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, good. It was a good use of that word. Uh, we, I appreciate it. No, it's true. And, and, or if a pandemic happens, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. How many product managers had an annual plan in place that went yep. away because yeah. of, of what happened, you know, a little over their, a year Their product ago. went away. In some cases, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you need to be able to pivot. I tend to be of the Jason, at least quarterly review and annual deep dive. But if something happens, you know, as needed, right? That if, if you're if something happens, if there's 
disruption and volatility in the market, right? VUCA, as they call it, volatile, uncertain. I don't remember what the C and the A are. Uh, but if that's happening, that three months cycle could become one month cycles, right? Just redoing it and learning and seeing as things change until they until they start getting back together. So I, I, this has been one of the most unanimous consent <clears throat> episodes we've had. I haven't, there hasn't been a lot of dissent. I, I, I well, maybe we'll get that in our last. Well, you've got we'll... some senior people having a senior discussion. I could go a totally different way with that, Steve, and I'm not going to. Thank you. <laughs> it was dangerous for me to use the word senior two times in one sentence. <laughs> So with that, we're going to go to the lightning round. Joy, just to set the premises, the ideal lightning round is a bunch of yes ands. So hopefully we can build something together. This question this week is, what is the most important thing for a product manager to think about when doing strategy? So what's the most important thing when doing strategy a product manager should be thinking about? Jason Vincelet. Lead with metrics. Lead with metrics. Joy. Um, I would say lead with metrics and um, gosh, I'm on the spot and I'm, I'm freezing and blanking. I would have to say um, the voice of the customer. What does the market want? Oh, that's a great yes and. Good save too. Yeah, well done. Joy, you're going to fit in just right. Wow. We look forward to having you on more. Steve. Well, golly, um, they both took mine. Uh, I, so <laughs> I'm going to like do a yes and on Jason a little bit. I've become recently enamored with OKRs. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know what our O's are, then the KRs don't matter. So getting in terms of contributing to strategy, what is our objective for the product? And then everything else goes through that lens. You know, what's your North Star? I. Love it. So we've got leading with metrics, voice of the customer, know the O. What's your objectives, that North Star? And I'm going to say, <clears throat> no. The most important thing for a product manager to think about is the word no. Ah. And being. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> Where's your being, yes and on that one? Be, not just being yes willing. And yes to, and no. <laughs> being willing, not just being willing to say no, actually saying no. Because yes. strategy is, yeah. And this strategy is, is about saying no. You this, have to this say is a no Michael to Porter. Your strategy is about is about what not to do. Mm -hmm. And so okay. use your message. Clear and be clear about that, and write it down, and advocate what you're not doing. Yeah. And why? That, that can get away from you too. Yeah, yeah that's very you, good. You, with the business rationale for doing it. So this has been a great conversation. Uh, I mean, hell, anytime I can talk about strategy and product management, two of my favorite things to talk about, it's a good time for me. But to do it with a great panel, Joy McCaffrey, thank you so much for joining the panel this week. What a great addition. Thank you so much. Jason Vincelet, as always, really appreciate your input and your participation on an ongoing basis. Steve Johnson, well, a lot of it, a lot of us are inspired and learn from you. And that's why we think along these lines about the strategic mm -hmm. role of product management. So I, I appreciate that opportunity, opportunity working with you guys. Hey, the community, uh, as Jason knows, the, the question goes in Monday morning at nine o'clock Eastern time. 
he knows what to think about all week. <laughs> Wednesday, we got the poll and I got to do a better job with the poll because it was not a good, it didn't get any discussion going this week. It was a fail. Uh, and Steve Johnson uh, and I and our panelists on Friday have an amazing conversation on that topic. Thank you guys for participating. Have a great weekend and we'll see you guys next week in the community and hopefully on the call. Great, have a great weekend. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.